Welcome to the Changemakers Podcast, brought to you by City Current and powered by Lipscomb and Pitts Insurance. This show shares personal stories and insight from those who are giving back and making a difference so we can learn and do the same. We cover life lessons, business advice, passion, and purpose. Now here's our host, Jeremy Park. Welcome to the Changemakers Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Park. We're in for a fun treat. We get to cover everything from movies and art to music and photography. We're here with Kurt Heineke. He is uh, best known as the music director for VeggieTales, 22 years, over 70 million in terms of DVDs and merchandise and all that good sold uh, for VeggieTales, but seven Dove Awards as well. So uh, a lot of uh, amazing storylines, and we'll talk about kind of tying in the passion and purpose to uh, create an amazing career, especially within the world of art and music and film and everything in between. But uh, Kurt, how are you doing? Hey, good to see you. I'm doing great. It's good to be here. So the fun of this uh, podcast is we get to cover a lot of your life story that obviously leads into what you do today, and you've got a lot of amazing ground to cover. Um, so let's let's just start out. Talk about um, where you grew up, and then let's kind of dive into how you got into the arts industry. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I will jump forward just because I know where this is headed. I can say this, that... Uh, I talk to a lot of college students, a lot of music students, and one of the big things I say is, you don't know where you're going to head, you don't, you don't know where you're going to end up, and so getting as many experiences as you can is really key. And that's part of, I realize that looking back on my story, looking back on what I've done, is like, oh, okay, it started to make sense. Yeah, I uh, grew up in the Midwest, uh, Wisconsin, my whole family are musicians, my um my mom was a choir director and piano teacher and church organist. My dad sang in the choir and played cello. I've got two older brothers. They both played instruments. So I was just kind of around it all the time. Uh, literally grew up in the choir loft. And so, um, you know, about junior high, I started playing trumpet and I took some piano lessons. And I, getting into high school, I just, I had this real interest in uh, exploring. I explored electronic music synthesizers, reel-to-reel tape recorders back then, that sort of stuff. And I was just kind of doing all of this on my own. Um, you also had a band, right? Death Star? <laughs> oh, he's read my bio. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, kids, you know, Star Wars has been around a while. Uh, junior high, my first, we a trio of us, I think it was a trumpet and a trombone and a saxophone. And we, we uh, yeah. Was we there any, played, like, no, no, we, we played for a Halloween, uh, elementary school Halloween party, and we had to come up with a name, and we're like, ooh, how about Death Star? <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so, uh, thanks for digging that up. Um, <laughs> See, the internet, you can find all sorts of good stuff. What else do you know Everything about Everything is me? transparent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was my first band, and uh, didn't last too long. Um, and then, yeah, just heading, heading through high school and college, started just getting involved in more musical things. Started doing arranging on the side. Uh, again, a lot of things that I just loved doing on my own. Played in band, sang in choir, um, did a church choir, youth choir, all those sorts of things. And Was any of it forced from your parents? I mean, was any of it kind no, of No, like, that was hey, the cool or... thing. They were very low-key about it. Uh, they did not force it at all, um, which I appreciated. And I've got three kids, all of them musicians, and I... I really intentionally tried to not force anything on them. Yeah. Now, at the same time, it was funny, a couple of years ago, because uh, my, my one son is in college now, and as we were, you know, I don't know, four years ago, heading towards college, and, oh, what do, you, what do you want to do with college degrees and majors and stuff? And, you know, he's like, well, I'm, 
you know, I'm kind of interested in the sciences and astronomy and some other things, and he was throwing some things out besides being a good musician. And the only thing I did is I pointed to the fact that, okay, if you, if you step into a field of music, because of your training, you're going to have a, a big advantage over most of, most of the other kids because you've been doing music for a dozen years. If you step into one of these sciences, simply because you haven't been studying it for years and years and years, you're going to be at the, at the low end of the totem pole. And so it was just a reality. It wasn't like, oh, you should really do music. Um, but just to help them understand those sorts of things. But yeah, I didn't really, uh, I did not push it on my kids. What I did push, we did do music lessons and we stuck with it. Uh, there were times that my youngest son wanted to quit early on and I would bribe him, you know, <laughs> bribery worked, you know, hey. I do the same with our younger son in yeah. Tennessee. Hey, hey if, if it, yeah, I, I'm a full, I'm a firm believer in that because until they learn discipline and learn okay i've been you know or tennis i played tennis too when i was young you know it's like not until you get better do you go oh i've really got some skills here this is fun it's you're self-motivated before that are you really wise and mature enough to make that decision for yourself if you want to quit or not so yeah so i'd bribe him our teacher would play you know games with him and she'd roll the dice okay oh you rolled a three okay let's play this exercise three times oh okay it seemed random to him and yet he accomplished everything he was supposed to in the lesson right so yeah so i did not push it on them and uh but you know they grew up in a musical environment so it kind of came i I wouldn't say naturally but it, it was just around them all the time sure yeah well in process of wanting to be with your parents and i mean i imagine the same with you is when your parents are involved in something, you as a child want to be involved with that so that you can be with your parents. And so when it comes down to things like music where you get a chance to sing with them, play with them, and do stuff just as family time, there is a piece of that that you tend to enjoy as a child, but then obviously growing up you appreciate. Yes, exactly. Or you play play little songs for your family, your parents, your grandparents, that sort of thing. Um, and even some of those, you know, at first... Uh, yeah, we would we would play it Christmas Eve, you know. Okay, let's play a little song for everybody before you get your present. <laughs> there was the bribery there. Right. But over time, it just became a tradition, and they just got used to it. And the amazing thing is um, they, um, yeah, they're still in this, uh, uh, or my youngest son, he's a senior in high school. He's still in a really good violin studio here in Nashville. And um, he's toured Europe. He's toured China. He's played on the stage. He's played on the Ryman stage with Amy Grant, Vince Gill, wow. Michael W. Smith. And, and I actually, both my sons have, and they don't get nervous because they've been playing in front of people for 14 years now. Right. So you get that nervousness out of the way way back there. And yeah, they still get some jitters, but it's, it's nothing like somebody that's never done it before. Um, and that was one of the big things. And I know we're veering off course, but hey, we got 45 minutes. Sure, exactly. You know, it's, it's a, the Suzuki <laughs> method of teaching uh, the string instruments. But one of the things they said is play as much in public as you can. And yeah, play for your parents. Play, play for grandma. Play because it just gets them used to performing. Right. And, you know, you think about the, the typical music student says, I'm going to become a professional, you know, performer. And they do two scene, They do two recitals in college, and that's that's their big performances. And they work half a year towards that recital, and it's almost like, is that really the best way to set somebody up for success? It's like, no, my kids have been playing all their lives. You know, it's little things. It's little tiny steps right. that they achieve instead of one big goal in a year. 
So it's it's just a, I, and I think it it's a great way for them to learn um, life lessons about okay how to prepare for things mm-hmm. and what it feels like to be in front of people and that sort of thing. Right, and absolutely, and, and there's certain improv elements of it, and you make a mistake, but you keep going and you pick right back up again, and you don't let anybody because usually you're the only person that notices. The audience rarely notices, so little things like that that only come about to your point by practice and playing in front of people. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and we talk about that too. Of, of yeah, when you're you know, knocking yourself out about, you know, making a mistake or, oh, that didn't go as well. And you go, you know what, you got to realize the majority of the audience doesn't, you know, 99% didn't right. hear that. Exactly. Yep. So so let's go back to your career. So you have a chance to even travel to places like the Bahamas and you're doing um, kind of teaching, but you're a music director. So let's talk about that kind of stage and then leading into how you got involved with VeggieTales. Yeah. Well, you know, one of my philosophies, I was always a, I was always real practically minded. I, I remember in elementary school, you know, my friends would be like, I want to be a football player. I want to be a profession. You know, I'm like, really? There's no way that's going to happen. And so, <laughs> you know, just... So that was like the Death Star, shooting down yeah. their wings. <laughs> <laughs> so even with, even with music, you know, I was a trumpet player and I was pretty decent. But realistically, I knew, you know, I'm never going to make it as a studio player or a symphonic player. And so I decided pragmatically to go into music education because I knew, okay, I'm still going to get to play. I'm still going to get to do my arranging, but at least I'll have a steady job. So that's what I did. I went to college and got a music education degree. I was a, and that's where the Bahamas came in. My first job, I was six months. I was a general music teacher in the Bahamas. That's Which a was, rough gig, huh? You know, it was it was rough. It was rough. Uh, the environment. Did you even was wear great. shoes? <laughs> I didn't, no shirts, no shoes. That's okay. <laughs> um, you know, it was a, it was a difficult job because it, I was teaching six hundred kids a, a week. Wow. And uh, I really wasn't. It really wasn't what my degree was cut out for. But the loca- I mean, I I went snorkeling and scuba diving every week. I lived on the bay, and I mean, yeah. Don't get me started. It was hard transitioning back to Chicago, <laughs> though I love Chicago when I moved back. And then I became a band director, and then I got involved in a church uh, doing church music, and it was at that church that the creators of VeggieTales were attending. And so they had heard my musical, just what I was doing with music and arranging and performing over years, and they said, oh, we're, we're going to start this. We've got this crazy idea of, you know, create animated uh, vegetables that don't have any limbs and don't have any clothes, and uh, but they're going to tell Bible stories, and it does sound like a wacky concept. And it was at the beginning. They they pitched it to every label they could find in Nashville, and nobody took it. So um, so the amazing story there is uh, Phil Vischer, who's the, uh, the was one of the co-founders along with Mike Naraki of VeggieTales. He's Phil Vischer is Bob the Tomato. He was in a in a community group, a Bible study at our church. And, uh, you know, he just kept talking about this dream, and it, it wasn't panning out. And one of the, the leaders in his community group said, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take out um, several tens of thousands of dollars from my, my retirement savings, and I'm, I want you to, you need to do something with, it, with this. I want you to go and do this dream of yours. And that's how we created the first uh, Where's God When I'm Scared, the, the first VeggieTales video. It was a $60,000 budget. And because of that, then somebody saw it and picked it up. And I think the lesson out of that is sometimes you can't wait until somebody discovers you or, you know, gives you the money, gives you the backing. Well, that's kind of what happened here. But the point is um, he didn't get signed first. He just he went for his his dream mm-hmm. 
got, you know, somebody else saw the passion there and helped finance it, and then it got picked up after that. And that happens a lot of times if, if you go, oh, I'm a musician, I'm going to move to Nashville and get discovered. No, actually what the way it works is you need to be firmly implanted in your area, wherever wherever you are, if you're truly a performer, you're going to be performing already. You're going right. to be performing for the school and the nursing home and the mall because you just have to do it. That's your passion. You're not going to wait till you get to Nashville. And that's what actually, I, and I know this because I was talking to somebody about this, about a friend of mine that wanted to make it in the industry. And he was saying, you know, singers, female singers are a dime a dozen. I need to see the one that stands out that already has a following. And in today's world, we've got YouTube, we've got the internet, there's if you've got a passion, there's no reason you don't have a following. We were just talking about a buddy of mine, Brian Hull, uh, who does these Disney impressions, a voice talent. And you may have seen him on YouTube. He did uh, Let It Go a couple of years ago. And this is an amazing little story. Um, that was his passion. He had been doing voices since he was 13. And there was a competition, um, do Let It Go karaoke version, the best, the best one, gets $100. And he's like, I have no money right now. Uh, I'd love to get that DVD because I like that movie. I'm going to enter the contest. So he did these voice impressions. And it exploded on YouTube. He got 30 million views. Uh, he got the attention of Disney. I mean, they, they literally called him and said, hey, we want you to come in and we want to talk to you. Um, and it, it wasn't a business plan. It was, a, it was just his own passion. Mm -hmm. He just did it because he wanted to. And then right. he got discovered. And so... For me, I've always been passionate about just all kinds of music, variety, you know, um, arranging, sequencing, singing, playing, and I think it was that that the founders of VeggieTales saw. Uh, plus, frankly, they didn't have the money to go to Nashville and get a big, big budget producer. So they said, "Hey, Kurt, would you like to help us out?" And I said, "Yeah, this sounds really interesting. I mean, none of us had a clue what was going to happen with it, but I could see from Phil's leadership, he just had a." He just cast this vision, and again, he had this passion. I was like, "There is nothing that's going to stop this guy," yep. and that's exactly right. You know, it, we made the first one; it got picked up. It, it was actually it was actually a couple years before it really exploded, uh, but then it, it just took off. Yeah. Well, I think it's important I mean, for all the listeners, regardless of age. Just like you said, you create your destiny, you create your opportunities. You you have to go out and especially with today's day and age, like you're talking about with technology, there's no reason to say, okay, well, the opportunity is going to come to me. I've got to go. And the reality, too, is when you talk about things and you're passionate about it and you start putting that out there, uh, Ben Nepton, who is the guy that from Buried Life, he always talks about if to follow your dreams. you got to put your dreams out there. you got to tell people. And eventually when they see the passion – good things are going to happen and step up and that's where the opportunities really start to come about so i think you know that's a great lesson in terms of one not being afraid to go and tell people what your passion and what your dream is two though is going out and creating it yourself and not waiting for the opportunity because that's where the real magic happens talk about from your instance though because you know when you talk about being a music director and especially working with tv shows and film there's a lot of creativity to it yes there's also a lot of science to it I mean, to be able to match up and the emotion and the education component, there's a lot of things that I think people just, you take it for granted, but it's like, it's that's not an easy gig necessarily to be able to do it the right way. And I mean, obviously Seven Devil Awards speaks to the success you had with it, but talk about kind of the science, if you will, of combining the music, because music is really such an integral part of uh, TV, film, everything, art. Yeah, there's two things that are kind of dichotomies. One is the science versus the art. The other is the passion versus the practicality that I think 
I mean, we could chew through a bunch of time talking about these. Yeah, the science versus the art. I think that's the challenge because uh, music is, is an art. It's expressing its emotions. I mean, at, at its core, that's what we're doing. We're wanting to take, take somebody somewhere with, with music. Uh, you think about you hear music everywhere, in the elevator, in the background. Uh, every movie has music telling you, helping you, okay, what is the emotion I'm supposed to feel here? And you don't even realize it's underneath there. It's like, oh, this is setting up what I'm supposed to feel. So it's this passion, it's this art, it's this feeling. And yet, especially with what I do um, on the technology side, it's, there's a science to it. It's, it's very technical-oriented. Uh, and I think that's, um, it takes a real balance. Now, as a musician, let's, let's just step aside from uh, technology or the electronic side of it, just to pick up an instrument, you know, most instruments are pretty complex. You know, you've got, you know, valves, buttons, keys, uh, breath support. You've got all these different things going on uh, with something like the violin. There's, you don't have, I mean, you just have this stick with a string on it. Right. And you've There's got no to find frets. the pitches. There's no right. <laughs> and it just takes years and years and years of doing fine, minutia details. And that's where the science, uh, repetitiveness, you know, playing these things over and over. So, you know, that passion of, oh, I want to be a musician, I want to play this instrument, that only can take you so far. It's, it's only if you've got the discipline to work on those details and those fine motor skills that you start making music out of this block of wood. Um, so, and then you take that a step further. What I, you know, what I'm working on is a, a large computer system and uh, sample libraries. Um, I'm working with time code, I'm working, you know, audio to picture, I'm locking things together. And so I've got to have an understanding of, you know, you could say it's math or science, but also a lot of math, understanding, you know, how the how time works and how you've got to hit this beat and match that beat. And, and that's where a lot of that, you know, I see kids sometimes in college, they have this passion, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that. But they're not putting in the hours that it takes behind the scenes to just learn their craft, to learn the tools. I mean, that's just plain hard work. And that's just, you know, you, you, see the, you see the tip of the iceberg and say, oh, that must be awesome. I'd love to be the next John Williams or Hans Zimmer to be a composer. And you don't realize, I mean, John Williams, I mean, he's in his 80s now. And I just heard him in Los Angeles last week directing the Los Angeles Philharmonic at, at the um, Hollywood Bowl is amazing, you know. But he was—I mean—he was playing in in studio orchestras at like 18. So I mean, he's been doing this for decades and decades and decades, and he's had so much time to learn his craft. So you know, that's that's kind of the behind the scenes that you know you've got to learn your craft. You've got to just spend that time on it to be able to all of a sudden, you know, oh, isn't it neat that you know I got to do Veggie Tales. Well, yeah, it was. It's incredible. It was wonderful. But, you know, I started my musical journey in junior high. Right. You know, to get to that point. Right. And I was honing all my skills, you know, not only as a trumpet player, but as a keyboardist and then as a synthesist and, and working on electronic music and recording. And especially in today's world, you know, this applies to musicians, but it probably applies to all of us out here um, in whatever field. You've got to wear a lot of hats, you know. Uh, I know one of the best trumpet players here in Nashville, incredible guy, but um, it's hard to be just a professional trumpet player. You know, he's, he's looking, he looks for side jobs too. And um, 
So, you know, I'm a, I'm a musician, I'm an educator, I'm a composer, I'm a photographer, and all of those at some point or another pay some bills. And so you've got to be able to be flexible and, and learn multiple skills, you know, and so many of us in today's world where it's, you know, we're working on our own, we're freelancing, we're working out of our house. You've got to be able to do multiple tasks and, yeah, know how the computer works and the internet and run your own business and all those sorts of things. And it can be daunting. And it's, I, you know, I, I lament, uh, we can probably all lament the days of, at least I think of my dad, my parents. You know, he had a nine to five job. Uh, he came home and he was done for the day. And he worked in the same business for 25 years, uh, at least, um, retired from that. Uh, but the other thing, and this talks about passion versus practicality, um, I never heard him come home and say, oh, I love my job. I love what I'm doing. I'm passionate about working in an office as an engineer uh, at a steel plant. I never heard passion. I heard discipline. I saw discipline. I saw, you know what? I'm supporting my family. Uh, where I saw his passion was he was a tennis player, and so we would play tennis together. He sang in the choir. He, we loved to go camping as a family. Those were his passions. Mm-hmm. I think his job was to support his passions. And I literally just read this a week or two ago. The, if, you, if you look how often um, the word passion is connected with your job and your, your future today as you know, compared to 20, 30, 40 years ago, it's exponentially higher. Because I look at my dad's um, generation, and it was more, I mean, he came out of the war. He fought in World War II. It's more of, you know, I just got to work, you know. It's just my responsibility to support my family. I need to get a job. I go out and I get a job and I support my family. And I, f- I find other passions in my life. I'm not saying he didn't enjoy his work. Sure. But I think, and Mike Rowe talks about this. Uh, I'm a big fan of Mike Rowe. Um, and he he actually has a has a quote. Let's see if I, okay, actually I've got it here. I've got brought some papers along. This is Mike Rowe speaking. He said, stop looking for the right career and start looking for a job, any job. Forget about what you like. Focus on what's available. Get yourself hired. Show up early. Stay late. Volunteer for the grunt work. Become indispensable. You can always quit late later and be no worse off than you are today. But don't waste another year looking for a career that doesn't exist. And most of all, stop worrying about your happiness. Happiness does not come from a job. It comes from knowing what you truly value and behaving in a way that's consistent with those beliefs. So, and then he, he goes on and talks about a story of meeting a, a guy that runs a sewer, sewage company, um, you know, and, uh, and Mike said, and he's very successful. Mike said, how did you find this job? And he said, well, I found a, a, a task that needed to be done. Mm-hmm. I learned how to do it, and then I learned to love it. You know, he basically went the opposite direction. Right of, you know, I meet a lot of creatives, I meet a, a lot of, you know, musicians, but also actors, actresses, um, people that are creative. And often it's, I feel like I need to do this. I just need to act. I need to, and they need to, sometimes I feel like saying, you need to step back and say, is there a need for that job? What, what does the world need right now? You know, and studies are showing we need less college degrees and more trade jobs. I mean, that's, I was just, I was getting my trailer fixed, and I took it to a, a hitch guy, and he's like, boy, if you knew somebody that's steady and dependable, I hired him on the spot. I, I either can't find people that are trained in this, right, or the ones that I'm willing to train, 
don't have the the discipline to follow through with the job. And he's just begging for people. You know, I'm going, boy, how, how many of us, you know, come out in debt with our college degree and then lament the fact that we can't find a job? And there's jobs, you know, waiting to be found if you just go, okay, you know what, I'm going to, maybe I need to refocus and get a get a trade degree or learn to fix an air conditioner or whatever that is. Absolutely. And then you can still follow your passion. Right, because you have the free on the time like, on the tennis with your dad. Yeah, you're making good money, and you go, okay, I'm going to continue to follow my passion. And what's not to say in five or ten years, you've saved up the money from this well-paying but boring job, you know, if, if that's the case, and you go, okay, I'm going to really try to make a go at this passion of mine. Well, and I think that... Um it's where does the sacrifice fall, right? So on every end, there's sacrifice. And in one regards, like with your father, he's sacrificing on one side to have the full-time job, the stability, to then go and have the freedom to enjoy the family time, playing tennis, doing the music, and the things that he enjoyed. So the sacrifice was over here where it may not have been his passion necessarily with the job, but that job fueled his ability to have the passion and do the stuff he wanted to do. On the other side of the spectrum, though, like in your case, and I fall victim of this myself, and my wife is always the first to point out, well, you do it to yourself, is when you love what you do, you don't ever look at a watch. So in other words, the sacrifices then come in where you basically have it as a responsibility, and to your point, you're doing it around the clock, you're doing a lot of different things, and so the sacrifice comes in. You may love what you do, but that then takes over your life, where then your passion becomes smaller increments that you can take advantage of. And I think that's important for people to understand, too, is it's not that you get to necessarily have your cake and eat it, too. You have to decide, where does the sacrifice fall? What am I willing to sacrifice to ultimately be happy with myself, my family, and, and where I want to go with my career? Yeah, the big challenge for me was I was, I was full-time as a music director and as a church musician, and then at, at uh, VeggieTales Big Idea for most of my career up until about eight years ago. And, you know... I really enjoyed that steady income, the 401k, the insurance, the benefits, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then um, I didn't have a choice, but I, was, I became a freelance musician. Still continue to work with Big Idea and VeggieTales. And then after that, I've, I'm doing a lot of other things here in Nashville now. Um, and I love it. I love being a freelancer because, you know, I can come up here and do this today. Right. You know, I couldn't have done this if I'm a nine-to-five. I was in Los Angeles last week, you know. I could do that because I'm my own boss. But what you allude to is, yes, I, I don't stop working. It's like, oh, you know, it's after dinner. Oh, I'm going to go back up to my studio, which is upstairs in my house, and I'm going to do some more work. And and I, I don't have that steady, you know, 401K and all those sorts of things. And... I, you know, so people go ask me, well, would you ever, do you want to step back into the full time and that sort of thing? And I don't think I could because it's, it's, there's so many benefits to not doing that. And yet I miss elements of that. Right, Why right. can't I have them both? Right, you know? right, 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 right. <laughs> well, and, and I think that's, you know, that the simple thing is for people to understand is that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. There's, there's challenges on every side and it's a matter uh -huh. of, you know, what, what stage are you within your career? What can you enjoy? What freedoms can you enjoy? And, and how can you take advantage of it? But ultimately, like I said, with everything, there are sacrifices. And I think that's an important thing for even young people to understand because it's always like, I want to do that. And it's like, well, okay, yes, once you earn it, but at the same time, you always have to be cognizant that there are sacrifices at every level of the game. Mm -hmm. I think one of the, 
One of the big challenges for me is the self-discipline of, you know, I don't have a boss looking over my shoulder saying, we need that done by, you know, end of day. Um, I, frankly, waste a lot of time, you know. Oh, let's see if there's any news that's happened in the last hour. I better check the Internet, um, see what's going on. Um, I... And that's where I can lose a lot of time. Now, some people, and I, I get this, some people say, and I agree, you know, you're a creative. I, I can't sit and write for eight hours. It's just impossible. I have to step away and clear my head and kind of get fresh ideas, you know. So I try to vary it up. But at the same time, I know that I, you know, I could be more efficient with my time. That's not inherent. That's not because I'm working at home. That's, that's just the balance of who I am with working at home. So that's, that's one thing I wish I was better at. Just Or, yeah, how do you have a, a check system? Say, okay, my buddy's going to check in on me, and I have to have this done. You know, Let, you pretend to be the boss today and yell at me if I'm not finished. You know, I don't know how that works. Um, but, yeah, that's, you know, to have, be self-disciplined. Right. And I'm trying to get better with that. You know, I, I have a stopwatch. I keep track of how much, you know, how long it takes me to write a cue or write, write a certain amount of music. So I can kind of guess... Uh, gauge, you know, how long a project will take and how much time per day I'm working on something versus working on something else. I think that's the other challenge is, you know, I'm not just sitting writing music, but, you know, oh, okay, I've got to send out some invoices. I've got to make some contacts. I've got to make the plane flight reservation right. for my trip. you're doing the business All management those, yeah, too. You know, I'm not, I, you know, I suppose I could, you know, hire a, an assistant to help with that, but then I... I wouldn't be able to keep them busy enough. So, yeah, that's the challenge to it. And I find the mornings are the best time. You know, if I get a couple hours of really good writing done in the morning before things start happening and piling up and and uh, distractions, you know. So that's uh, early in the morning and late at night sometimes I get my, my best work done. That's usually creative, so that's when those juices yeah, are flowing Yeah, yeah, you're right. So switch gears a little bit to talk about photography because, I mean, obviously this is a whole other side. Um, it, it ties in, obviously, to the creativity. But but talk about the things that you enjoy uh, covering. What do you look for? Just share a little bit about your photography. Yeah, I was always, I've always had an interest in photography and uh, always just had fun doing it. And it was probably 10 or 12 years ago that I, there was just a little bit of me that was kind of thinking about, well, um, I was at full-time at VeggieTales at the time, and I wasn't sure, you know, where that was going to head down the road. And it was, it was being, it was a, um, let's see, how would you say it? You know, I was in the office every day, knew exactly what I needed to do. So I was looking for something else to kind of stir up a little bit of uh, passion and excitement. So I, I decided, you know, I'm really going to pursue this photography more seriously. I took an online course. I started reading a ton of books. I've got a you know, bookshelf full of photography books. That was the thing I was going to say before when, when people these days, compared to when, when I was growing up, back when my, back when I grew up, you know, there's no excuse to not to learn a skill or a trade because you've got the internet, you've got YouTube. Anything you need to learn about photography, if you're disciplined enough, you can learn it on, on YouTube. Absolutely. Everything's yeah, out there. I coached all my kids' soccers by YouTube videos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... So I, you know, I read every book I could on photography, and then I realized, okay, I've, re I've reached a certain point, and I need to go beyond that. And I found a guy here in Franklin who was a wedding photographer, and I took him out to lunch, and I said, look, I, I'm ready to take the next step. 
I'd love to help you out in any way I can. I, whether it's pay, whether it's not pay, I don't know what that means, but you know, I was just, I felt like I, was, I needed an apprenticeship um, just to have somebody looking over my shoulder and helping me. And he said, you know, boy, my, my wedding photography business is growing. I could really use a second shooter. Let me hire you. And so I started shooting with him. And that was some of the hardest days because, you know, I'm making $25 an hour shooting for eight hours, uh, you know, an outdoor wedding in June in Nashville, Tennessee. I mean, your sweat stain. And this is after you've already achieved success with VeggieTales. Yes. And so, I mean, I think this is a great lesson, too, is not being afraid to kind of go backward to restart a new passion. Yes. Um, and and I'll finish the sweat stain story. <laughs> Do I really need to? <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, we're Andrew's on saying, no, don't. Uh, no, I mean, I, it was so sweaty, I'd have salt stains on my armpits from the sweat. Um and I, yeah, you're exactly right. It's like, why do you put yourself through that? Because it was, it was very challenging. And I felt like, okay. But now at the other side of that, I, I did that for a couple of years. And then I started being the lead photographer for weddings. And now I, I photograph not as intensely with, wed- with weddings, but I do a ton of uh, local events, concerts, uh, live events. I'm, I'm the primary photographer for the National Symphony now. I, do, I shoot a lot of artists in the area and if I hadn't done the wedding stuff I mean I feel like boy you know learning to shoot a wedding I feel like I can do just about anything a lot of events are tough yeah so I think it was kind of a self-discipline knowing that okay I've got to get through this and there were oh boy I can remember especially when I was lead photographer being so nervous heading into the photography job like what am I doing I mean I'm there I mean this is the biggest day of their lives and they're counting on me to capture it and I was very nervous. And I think there's part of my background, um, just seeing my parents, my, my brothers, the, the discipline side, it's like knowing I just need to push through this. Uh, my wife and I talk about this because she, uh, she talks about a story in, in high school. She was in, I forgot what it was, Greece or one of the musicals and she was one of the dancing girls and she just got really nervous and she backed out and she quit and her parents kind of let her quit. and. To this day, she regrets it because she didn't push through that nervousness and and see the joy of the accomplishment. And I think that's an important lesson. It's like, and I've tried to teach that to my kids. It's like, you know what? Let's just get through this and look at the positives on the other side. So yeah, with photography, that's what I did. I just kind of like, okay, I I've committed. I need to do this. I'm I, I I'm not gonna back out. Yeah. And yeah, looking back, it's like, boy, that was that was tough work. And um, and on the other side of it, though, now I, I'm thankful that I did it because it just gives me a peace of mind stepping into a, a, a situation to go, okay, I've been here before. I can handle this. Yeah. How has it been with your wife, your family in terms of your career? I mean, have they been kind of supportive? Because I mean, you, you've gone through obviously a lot of highs, lows, restarts and, and amazing opportunities and experiences. So how have they been through that kind of roller coaster ride? Of and fantastic. I mean, they uh, they're they've been great about it. You know, they they understand the musical side of it. They understand the the freelance side of it. And you know, my wife and I, Judy. I mean, we have a lot of talks about okay, this this month's been a and, and this is the funny thing. People think, oh, you did VeggieTales. You know, you know, it's like yeah, but I'm not doing it anymore, and I'm still looking for that work every week, every day. You know, sort of thing. And. Um, so she understands, but we, you know, we have certain months, you know, it's like, okay, it's going to be a little bit, you know, drier this, this month because I'm, 
you know, like uh, maybe I've got an invoice out there, but it's not going to come in for a couple weeks. And it's, you know, I, we really have to be careful these next couple weeks and then I'll get something in. And, th and that is one of the challenges, not having a steady income. And so I've had some real good years and then I've had some years that are a little bit leaner and it's, it is a challenge. But no, they, they understand and we've talked about it. And, you know, Judy has, has held down a job in the past and she's worked also. Um, right now we've, we've got family living with us and, and we're new grandparents and we're helping nice. out there. So, so she's not working right now intentionally so that, so that she can help with family and we're excited about that. Well, I think going back to even whether it's tennis, the entertainment industry, once again, you think, oh, well, tennis pro, you make all this money. And it's like only if you're in the top, you know, really top 20, top 50 at best are you really making money. Same thing in the entertainment industry. You think broadly, oh, everybody's making these millions of dollars. And it's like you might have a good year. But for the most part, to your point, once the project's over, you've got to still continually find work. And so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's the challenge where everybody kind of wants to work in that industry. But at the same time, you kind of have to know what you're dealing with and be willing to, to go through the ups and the downs and the highs and the lows. Yeah, definitely. And um, I think if, if there's one thing I, you know, going back and go, oh, I wish I had done more of that, is, you know, in the good years, I, I wish I had been aggressively uh, setting aside more money. Yeah, I mean, I had the 401k and had savings, and that was great. And that's, that's going to really help in retirement. But, you know, even more recently, a after VeggieTales, I had a couple uh, really good years. And I'm like, boy, I wish I had, you know, maybe bought two less, two fewer good camera lenses and socked away a couple more thousand dollars for retirement. You know, because then you get to the lean years and like, what was I thinking? Uh, but actually, I look at that, I say that a little bit jokingly because I, I firmly believe that uh, it's important to invest in your career also. Right. I mean, one of the first things I did, uh, one of my first um, photography jobs, I went out and I bought, you know, the top of the line Nikon 70 to 200 2.8. Uh, lens because that was the standard in the industry and that kind of tells you when you walk in the door oh he must he must be serious because he's got a serious lens and it was a, a good lens and it did the job but it also kind of said no I'm I'm taking this seriously right. yeah absolutely so before we do a kind of a lightning round of just short answers obviously throughout this whole thing you've given a lot of great advice and tips but give us maybe one bit of either a favorite quote favorite bit of advice something that obviously is something that you do a lot of speaking yourself but something that you encourage especially for the entrepreneurs for the young professionals who do want to follow their dreams who do want to you know do something special with their career what, what advice would you give them actually it's funny you ask I have exactly this is this is something that I share with college students um, and this is one of those things I've kind of gleaned uh, from my own life after doing this for a couple decades. I, I call it my three C's to success because it's easy to remember. It's craft, character, and connections. Uh, your craft, I, you've got to be good at your craft. What is it that you're skilled at? You've got to, you know, just work, work your hardest at being the best that you can be at what that is. Set yourself apart. Um, and then character. Um, you know, as a Christian, I, I, I feel like, okay, I need to live personifying how, how Christ would want us to live. Uh, but even, even if you're not a Christian, it doesn't matter. Character still is, is still important. Do you, do you lie, cheat in your job? What, you know, are you, you, you look at so many politicians and it's just in their nature. They, they live a certain personification in front of the camera. And then you hear all these stories, you know, how they really are or Hollywood these days, we're hearing a lot of things. You know, what is your character when people aren't looking? And um, how, where do you get that from? 
uh, I think that's very important because, um, you know, people remember who you are. I mean, I, I bump into people now that I worked with 10 years ago, and, and I still, you know, occasionally pick up a job from those people. And it's, I think, partly because, oh, yeah, Kurt was great to work with. We enjoyed him, whatever that means. But there's some character there that's important that you can't just put on a facade and, and pretend to be. Decide, you know, for yourself, commit to that. And then connections. Uh, a lot of colleges, at least when I was going to college, did not talk about this, but the importance of connections. Because, you know, if you're in classical music, oh, I want to play in an orchestra. Well, really, it, it does come down to basically the best player gets the job. Uh, but that doesn't happen in the rest of the real world, even in music. It's all about connections. If, if you know, you name a band that you know, a country band, if their bass player quit, they don't, they don't just have an open audition worldwide for the next best bass player. The first thing they do is ask the other guys in the band, hey, do you have any buddies that play bass? Because they know, okay, not only do they have to be a good bass player, but they have to fit with this crowd and get along with them. And I know this guy, and he'd be perfect for this. And then maybe they'll have three or four guys come in. But it's all connections. It's all connections. But you have to have that craft first. Oh, yeah, he's a good player. Uh, but then you have to have, have that connection. So learn how to, you know, learn how to network. Learn how to just be yourself around people. Learn to, to talk about things other than just your job. I mean, for us, it might be tennis. Hey, yeah, tell me about your tennis playing. You know, aside from what we're doing with, with our job and that sort of thing. So, yeah, craft character connections i think those are keys to being successful perfect so we'll switch over we call it just lightning round there's no fancy uh, death star music or anything we kind of need some we have to hire you to have some music in this um yeah transition but just uh quick quick questions quick answers so um what's a recent book you've read oh wow oh okay this is embarrassing uh it's, it's called squeeze this and <laughs> <laughs> okay, we might need an explanation. On yeah, this one. no, 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 just a guess. Uh, it's about a, the history of accordions in America. Uh, accordions, yes. Andrew, you're laughing. Um, okay, here I'm. I'm um, trying to work up a German band gig because I've got a German background, and I've I've had this obsession for the last two months for accordions. That's hilarious. So I'm just reading all about accordions. And okay, well, it goes back to you know learning your craft. Exactly. So it's like I'm, I'm creating a niche for myself. And I can imagine there's a lot of YouTube videos with that as well. Maybe, maybe Andrew over here can uh, we, we can put him to work learning some accordion as well and yeah. get you guys together. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's a joke there. Two accordions walk into a room. <laughs> so, uh, what's a recent uh, movie you've watched? Here's here's our chance to see. Uh, usually with the ones that have younger kids, it's always like a cartoon. But what's a recent movie you watched? Oh, what? Oh, shoot, shoot, shoot. What did we? What did the boys? Oh, the Mission Impossible. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that one just because of the. Um, so much, you know, real effects done. As I found that fascinating. Yeah, Tom Cruise yep. doing all of his stunts. That's yeah, yep, it was really cool. And I watched his legs and doing everything. Yeah, I watched a lot of the behind the scenes just to go. Okay, this is cool because uh, I've I've gotten tired of the effects laden movies. You just go, oh yeah, that's that's effects and that's effects, and it's like, oh, this is real. So that was cool. What's a favorite spot outside of the Nashville area? What's a favorite spot for you and your family to vacation? Um. I just got back from LA. I love going out there once a once a year just to see how the other half live. Now, just to, I mean, there's so much energy out there, and especially as a creative, it's just exploding out there. I, I wouldn't want to live out there, but I love going out there. 
Do you have yep. a favorite restaurant or spot out there that you go to? Uh, Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's again. I I look at that as the pinnacle of okay. They know how to do entertainment, and it's like I I I went. I was out there for three days this last time, uh, and it wasn't just oh I'm going to ride the rides. One day I literally just walked around, and I heard all the music groups, and I talked to some of them, and I just soaked in the ambience of you know how they do. The, the depth of detail and I take that like okay that's how I want to treat my music and my art yeah, yeah. so it's a good insp- inspiration where do you like to take people who are new to Nashville who are coming in to visit where, where's a special spot for you to take them? Uh, well in Franklin you know downtown Franklin you know we, we go to uh, Gray's on Main get some good food or you know if they're interested in the Civil War there's some you know awesome Civil War historical sites around I'll give them a little driving tour and then, um, you know, I, I had some friends in town uh, last month and we went down on Broadway and just heard the hung, you know, heard all the live music and the honky talks. I mean, that's something you got to experience if you haven't done that before. Probably Nobody else has that. a lot of bachelorette parties, too. Oh, yeah. You see a lot of bachelorette parties. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. <laughs> what, um, on, on your end, is, is a family tradition? And it can be with your, you know, family and, and wife and kids, or it can be with your parents. Or what's a family tradition that is something special to you? Uh, Christmas is, is by far our our best family holiday. I, I've got so many memories of Christmas. Uh, yeah, a lot of music involved, but no, just the family together, the decorations, the music, just the, the feelings that you get. The warmth that is in the, in, around you created by you know, the spirit of Christmas and the true message of Christmas that you don't get the rest of the year. And then uh, as we kind of wrap up, when you look at, obviously, you're creating your legacy every single day, but what, what do you hope when um, you know, your career is kind of over and, and you take the next chapter, so to speak, what do you hope that people say about you? Uh, I want to be able to finish good, finish well, um, just have, leave a legacy for my family. Now, you know, having a grandson now, all of a sudden, it changes your perspective. It's like, whoa, wow, you know, because I, I think of my grandparents and now I am a grandparent. So just, you know, leaving a good legacy, leaving, um, I guess, a heritage that my kids and my grandkids can be proud of, but also, you know, hopefully leaving them in a, in a place that, you know, give back some and, and just, especially with my kids, leaving them with a lot of life lessons, a lot of good talks about how to handle things and those sorts of things. Usually I ended there, but I'm just curious from, from the VeggieTales side, because there are so many great lessons within those. I'm not going to ask you to pick a favorite episode, or anything, but but give me something out of that that stands out from your experience of of an episode or a certain you know song or something that you worked on that, that stands out as as an important piece for you, kind of within that legacy, if you will. Okay, yeah, well, we uh, uh, episode six was the uh, Madam Blueberry. It was all about thankfulness, and uh, there was this song in it, the thankfulness song. I thank God for this day for you know, and it just goes through everything that uh, she was thankful for. And I literally just last week got a message on Facebook from a lady who never met her before. She just said, I just have to thank you. I, as a mother, you know, I grew up, I was your demographic. I grew up on VeggieTales. I memorized the thankfulness song. And now I've got two kids and there are days that I just can barely hold it together. I'm stressed. I'm frantic. I'm frazzled. And I find myself singing that song. And it reminds me that there's always something to be thankful for, and if I can be thankful for something, it's going to help change my mood. Uh, and and she just said thanks for that song. It, 
I, I didn't realize as a child that I learned it as a child to use it as an adult. I was like, wow. I mean, that's that's the legacy that VeggieTales has has created, and I'm thankful for that. And, yeah, I'll never forget that. I mean, I have college kids going, you were, you were my childhood. You know, right. thank you. And so I, it's, it's neat to know that that legacy will carry on, you know, because people grew up on it. They're not going to forget it. Absolutely. So how do we get in touch? Website, social media, how do we stay in touch? Yeah, my address, no. Um, uh, yeah, website is khstudios.com plural, dot biz, B-I-Z, K-H studios, dot biz. Kurt Heineke, yep, I'm on Facebook, and uh, yep, I'm here in Nashville. Well, Kurt, you are a change maker, and we greatly appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all of your advice and wisdom and experience and amazing stories. So thanks for all you're doing for coming on. Hey, thank you. This was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Changemakers Podcast, produced by City Current and powered by Lipscomb and Pitts Insurance. To learn more about our guests and to share your stories of others leading by example, visit us online at citycurrent.com. Connect with us online using at citycurrent or follow the conversation using the hashtag Changemakers. Now, think big, start small, and act now. Be a changemaker. 